And welcome back to another episode of Rewind and Reconsider, a podcast where we rewind some of our favorite childhood movies and reconsider them. We are continuing our Star Wars marathon today with The Empire Strikes Back. I am your host, Harrison Fagan. I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Mia Agraviador. The Empire Strikes Back is the fifth Star Wars movie chronologically out of the main series, but like... The second Star Wars movie ever made. And also, out of all the Star Wars movies made, it is, what, seventh? Eighth? Seventh. Seventh. Seventh or eighth. I can't count. Anyway, it's... (laughs) Star Wars chronology is confusing. Um, But this movie takes place right after a Star Wars holiday special. And so they just jump right back into, I guess, like the series and the Rebels' continuing fight for independence from the Empire. Mia, what do you remember about this movie that is widely considered maybe the best Star Wars movie? Was this the one where they're on the ice planet? Yes, they start out on Hoth. Okay, and that's planet. the one where he like cuts open the like llama. Slash... The Tauntaun. Yeah, and he, yeah, yeah. Okay, um, I think I remember Yoda's in this. This is the first yes, time you see Yoda. This is the debut of Yoda, not Baby Yoda. That wouldn't come for another thirty or forty years, but Yoda. Yoda, and this is not Princess Slave Leia. Oh, no, no, no that's she. In... That's in Return of the Jedi. Okay, all right. Um. That's pretty much all I remember, to be honest. I, again, I only watched this a couple years ago yeah, for people, like the first time. People like to talk about Han shooting Greedo first and all the controversy over that. He totally betrayed that Tauntaun. He was a good, furry boy that took him on a mission. And then Han's like, well, I guess I gotta stay warm. Only way to do that is to slice you open and crawl inside. So, I thought Luke did that. No, that was Han. What? Han's on this ice planet. I'm so confused. Yeah, now. everyone's on this ice planet. Okay. So yeah, I, I, I this movie. I think I remember it. It was the darkest Star Wars movie probably until maybe kind of Revenge of the Sith and then definitely Rogue One. Um, but I, I just like it because it really shows. Like the first movie, there's all this hope. Uh, you know, it's a new hope. Ah. And uh, this one really show is. It's called The Empire Strikes Back because yeah, the Empire has them on the run and is trying to snuff out the rebellion. Wait, and, is, is Lando in this one? Yes, this is the debut of Lando. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Although actually, I don't think he tries to have sex with any droids in this one. So it's like canonically, you know, it's a little dubious. In the back of your mind. Yeah, in the back of your mind, the way to watch this movie is to watch it, and every single time Lando sees, like, C-3PO or R2-D2 or is walking past the droid, you just gotta remember in his mind, he's going like, ooh, yeah. (laughs) Um, And it probably becomes an even better movie. I don't know. Now that we've watched Solo. So why does everyone like this one? Why does everyone say that this one's the best Star Wars movie? It's because both of, there's the two separate plot lines of Luke going off to get trained by Yoda and Han and Leia on the run from the Empire and like as they're trying to get away from Hoth where that ambush happened and they kind of come together at the end but it's honestly just two really strong plot lines that only interconnect at the end you get all the fun interplay between han and leia and you get luke and yoda the really like strong other storyline boba fett makes his well not his debut because he did that in the holiday special mm-hmm. but um boba fett makes his live action debut and then um, dies in this no he dies in the next no he one. doesn't die in this he doesn't die in any of them we don't see him die you just see him get eaten oh my god 
Anyway, we're, we're going to go watch this movie. I, I just, I remember this being my favorite Star Wars movie, even as a kid. This was my favorite one. I just think that it has, like, it, it's the best dialogue, the, the action, there's the most action, really, um, and, like, it just feels the most meaningful because they're really on the ropes and trying to just survive. So, um, I'm excited to see how much this one holds up, but I, I have really high expectations. You have high hopes? Yeah. <laughs> and let's hope the movie doesn't strike back. Ooh, got him. And we are back. We just finished watching the Empire Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, and Mia is going to do our 60-second summary where she tries to summarize the plot of the movie in 60 seconds. I don't know why we always define that. I feel like it's pretty clearly defined by the name of the bit, but just in case that was confusing for you, that's what it is. So Mia, go ahead and take it Wait, away. Why do you Wait. say try? Well, because like I'm not going to do it. You never have done it in 60 seconds. So I, I... You're right. Oh, yes. Please scratch the laptop <laughs> on the table as you move it over. Okay, so we're going to get going right now. Okay, so we open on an ice planet. The ice planet is called Hoth, and uh, Luke is out there. He's on a tauntaun, which is like a little like kangaroo thing. He's running around, and then somehow, I forgot, but he gets lost, and then so Han has to go find him, and he finds him, and he has to battle this like big ice monster, the bottomable snowman. So then they come back, and then they're all like, oh no, the Empire found us, and the Empire comes, and they got those dog things, right? Those dog robots, and they're like, oh, we're gonna come to get you. Yeah, whatever. Anyways, so then they defeat them because they use that little trick with the little rope and then they fall over. So then now they're on the run. That's Han Solo and Princess Leia are on the run because the Empire wants them. And then Luke's all like, bye, I gotta go to the Dagobah system because a voice in my head told me so. And so he goes to the Dagobah system, which is a swamp planet, and he finds a little green little man and he's all like, I'm trying to find Yoda. And surprise, that's Yoda. And then Yoda's like, I will train you to be a Jedi. So then we go back to Han Solo and Princess Leia and they're running with the Millennium Falcon with Chewie and CP3 and they go into a hole and it's like we're gonna hide and oh surprise they went into a, a sandworm right sandworm and Not then it, i mean it was a worm in an sandworm asteroid. and then they go and then they they fly they're like we need a safe space right so they go to cloud city which is Bespin, the cloud city and they find lando their best friend han's best friend and they're like but a little surprise lando turns him into Darth Vader, and Darth Vader's like, haha, I got you now, and then he freezes Han Solo into, like, an ice cube, basically. So then Luke has to come back because he sees a vision of Han Solo and Leia in trouble, and Yoda's like, yo, you didn't finish your training, and Luke's just kind of like, whatever, I'm gonna go. So he goes, and then he fights Darth Vader, and then, oh, plot twist, Darth Vader's actually his dad, and he loses, uh, Luke loses his hand, and then they save him, and then now we are left with a cliffhanger. Okay, so it only took you almost two minutes. Oh, fuck. <laughs> it was a lot to cover. Yeah. And I did it pretty well. You did okay. What? Yeah, what did you, I miss? You missed a couple things. Like, you missed that Lando ended up regretting his decision. And that they kind of weren't friends because it was like there was this tension between them in every scene. And Lando kept trying to steal Leia from Han. Um, or I guess seduce her away. I don't know. We want to describe it, but you know, it was a movie in the. Listen, 70s I would or have 80s. gone with Lando. I mean, he had more of the classy moves. Like, Han and was also, a dick. Like, way more, way more capes. <sighs> yeah, got a lot so of those many capes. capes. <laughs> what like else? An unlimited I... supply of like the galaxy's probably leading collector of capes. Yeah, yeah. Um, what else did I miss? Uh, that was the main thing. Okay. 
you also missed that, like, they, you know, tried to dodge them in an asteroid field. Um, you missed that, you, you missed Luke deciding that, yeah, not only did he leave before his training was over, but he had decided after, like, like it's implied, like, five days, maybe, of training, if that even, that he was just an expert and that he could, you know, he was ready to take on Darth Vader. It's like, I got the gist of it. Like, yeah. <laughs> he's like, I kind of almost lifted an X-Wing. I fine. watched you do it. Yeah, so I could definitely do it, just when the time is right. Yeah, I just need, no, but I need to be inspired in the right way. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, what did you think of this movie? Um, you know, I, I think it's honestly, I, I think it's a still, it very much held up. I enjoyed it, like, honestly, even more than I thought I would just on rewatch because I think it's been so long since I saw it that Same. like some of the stuff was still like I didn't have it scene for scene memorized even if I remembered the generalized plot and it's just rewatching it with a critical eye it's just easy to see again why it's like widely considered the best Star Wars movie um you know, I think that it has a lot of the things that made people really fall in love with the series. You have this, like, triangle of characters and Han, uh, Leia, and Luke that are really easy to like. And even though they're split up for part of this movie, like, the bond feels genuine. Through their acting on screen, they portray it as, like, this very tight-knit, close group. Even though the three of them are only really together for one scene. But their actions also show that. Like, it feels genuine when Luke is very worried about their safety and leaves Dagobah to go save them. And you also get, like, Han and Leia, the, probably their best banter of the series because they're mostly split up a lot after this uh, in Return of the Jedi because of the Carbonite and all that stuff. Yeah. Like that. This is the most time that they spend together. And it's really easy to see why people fell so in love with them as a couple and with, like, their story and with Leia's sassiness and independence and with Han's kind of roguish, like, uh, charm and yeah i i just think overall like and, and you know it's not afraid it goes a little bit dark too like you there's this big triumphant ending to the last movie where they blow up the death star and you're like haha the imperials are defeated and then yeah. right first scene in the opening crawl they talk about like the gal i think like, like i forget what the exact words they used were they said it's a dark time for the rebellion <laughs> and then people are like but we just watched the last movie everyone was fine because i feel like the a new hope is kind of like if you stop there that's just a movie you know yeah you don't have to go any further no you you genuinely like genuinely a new hope could have stood alone it was just such a rich universe that now we've gotten you know people were so interested in it we've gotten yeah i think this movie 11, is more not 10 more movies more character driven than yes. the other movies yeah that's a good way to put it cuz it it really focuses on like you know all their personalities and how they all work together to fix a problem and i think that's really cool cuz i, I I guess A New Hope kind of was character-driven, but it was just more a situational movie where they just had to throw people into some situation. They had to figure it out on their own. But this one goes a little bit more in-depth into who they are as a person and, like, why, you know, people fall in love with these characters so much, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but I think... Yeah, I think you mentioned before that it's basically two different stories. And I think they're both of them are pretty strong and it's a lot more philosophical. It's honestly watching it again, it's sort of like you can see how it influenced the last Jedi and that they're like, "Okay, we're going to split up these characters now and have them kind of each have their own little adventure." But the last Jedi just felt so disconnected, especially the Rose and Finn plot oh felt God. so unnecessary. Like this one, it 
I, it just seems more justified, the character's actions. Um, and, like, they really do a good job through the story of making both of these stories really narratively interesting. Like, I, there wasn't, like... It, like, in some movies, when you get to the quote-unquote B-plot line, you're like, okay, I can kind of not pay as much attention now. I'm more interested... Like, I just... I really want to get back to this A-plot line and see what's going to happen there. This one genuinely bounces back and forth, and I was fascinated by both of them. And I... I really? Because I didn't really care for the Luke kind of training session. Okay, well, why didn't you? I It was just a little bit slower than, like... The other plotline with Han and Leia, I think that's he, true. He, I, I think it's more deep and like philosophical. That's the part of it, and like you know, you have to face your demons, and you know, don't don't go to the dark side. But damn, I just forgot how whiny Luke is. He's so whiny. <laughs> he is a little whiny, and there is an element to this that I hadn't really thought about before, as far as the training plotline. Like, first of all, I actually really enjoyed it. I enjoy how philosophical and, like, wise Yoda is, and it's easy to see why that character made such an impact in, you know, like, despite being a puppet, and despite people having never heard of him before. And, you know, like, he, he walked so that baby Yoda could run. Um, and or kind of like waddle or kind of yeah adorably waddle as a puppet <laughs> but no like he, he's the crotchety old teacher and you can tell even if you just watched this movie and had not just watched the prequels that he was kind of a damaged character and had seen students turn on him and like had dealt with a lot of loss during his eight or nine hundred years in the galaxy um you know, he says in this movie he spent 800 years training Jedi, and if we're looking at his species through the Mandalorian, and at 50 they're still an infant, you know, Yoda's got to be close to, like, 900 or 1,000 then. Yeah. Um, if he started training Jedi for 800 years. Uh, but I enjoyed the philosophical aspect of that, uh, and just, like, so how it... What, how, what philosophical is to you? Just, like... You know, how he... Constantly, Luke is, like, in a rush to get to the quickest... Like, teach me this. Why are you teaching me this? It's Why all, are we doing handstands? <laughs> yeah, there's almost a Mr. Miyagi aspect to it. And then the lessons always kind of have a purpose. Like, Yoda's talking about, you know, do or do not. There is no try. Like, there's a reason that line has become iconic. Because technically, he's right. Like, you can, you can say that you're going to try something. But in reality, ultimately, you're either going to do it or you're not going to do it. And if you think about it like that, like, that's going to lead to, I think, more of a success-driven mindset. There's the whole part where he's having him learn to lift things with his mind by, um, you know, like distracting him while doing handstands and balancing Yoda and all this stuff. Like, because it's like, all right, I'm going to distract your your body, basically, and you really are going to have to concentrate and under adverse circumstances be able to do these things. Because during, like, a fight, you're not always going to be just, like, standing on your feet or something mm -hmm. and, like, easily able to do this stuff. When Yoda lifts the X-Wing and he basically tells Luke, like, that's just in your mind, that that's big. And, like, you have to unlearn everything that you've learned. Like, you've learned that's big, so it should be heavier to lift. Maybe, like, physically, but with the Force, that's not the case. And he's basically saying, with the Force, it should be just as easy to lift as the Rock. Or, like, similar. Or R2-D2. Yeah, or R2-D2, who, like, that was rude of them. <laughs> to just, like, use him as a weight. There were no other Rocks in the entire you know, forests that they could have used or swamplands or whatever we're calling this planet of just swamp because every Star Wars planet, as we know, has one defining weather characteristic. This is swamp. Yeah, this is the swamp. This is the swamp of the galaxy. So if they want any, like, this is where... This is the Florida of the gla yes, galaxy. Yes, this is where Yoda, and this is where, like, the other side of the planet is where the rednecks that hunt gators live. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, definitely. So uh, I, I like the Force Cave sequence because it kind of hints at 
like the the father thing before you really get to it because you know ultimately you're killing yourself or your bloodline or whatever if you're fighting vader oh wow, i didn't see it that deep yeah um I also think that, again, just to circle back, I mentioned having just watched the prequels, the part of this that I didn't get before is it's easy to see why Yoda would be hesitant to train a Jedi that was too old, and specifically to train a Skywalker that was too old. Yeah. Because in the prequels, in episode one, he's like, no, we are not going to train this kid. He's too old. He's too attached to the galaxy. All this stuff. Now, basically, he saw that backfire spectacularly, that decision to let Obi-Wan train him. And then, uh, like, with the death of basically the entire Jedi Order, because they decided to do this. And then Obi-Wan who is now dead by that same guy that Yoda didn't want to train, is coming to him as a ghost and being like... He's like, like, hey, train his son. He's like, hey, remember how that one guy that we trained that ended up killing off the entire Jedi Order? Can you actually train his kid real quick? He's like at least double the age... Um, and I, do, no, I think this one's going to go none well. none of the patience. <laughs> His dad just killed me. He's also really whiny and, like, has never had any force training or, like, any education about that. Uh, you know, is an, a full-grown adult, not a nine-year-old child that you were already too worried about. But don't worry, I'm sure this one's going to work. I'll help out. And then he just disappears. Yeah, and then he just like, oh, no. Oh, I can't. I'm sorry. Contractual obligations. I didn't want to be in this movie. Yeah. So <laughs> it's easy to see why Yoda, like, you know, in retro, and I think in retrospect, the prequels actually do a pretty good job of painting why, in the, and this is one of the things that I'm learning as we watch the original trilogy, and then we had just watched the movies that are set before them. They do, for all of their flaws, do a good job of answering questions that were posed by the original movie. Like, it's kind of left open, it's implied, but it's also kind of left open, why would Yoda be so resistant to training Luke like is he just a jerk is he just like an angry old man and no I think that there are actually very good plot reasons for Yoda to be like no and then now this guy kid's gonna rush off and just go meet with a Sith Lord you know exactly how like his dad Yoda just throws his hands up in the air he's like whatever he's like what (laughs) why did I even try Yeah. Uh, fun no, fact he of- didn't try. He did or he did not. And in and this case, he, he probably not. thought that he had did not. <laughs> um, so I, when I was listening to Yoda talk, I was like, this sounds really familiar. Like, who who did the voice? So the voice is Frank Oz, and he also did the voice for Miss Piggy. And I read in a trivia that um, during the scenes, if it was a little too difficult for uh, Mark Hamill to do the scenes, um, Frank Oz would make Yoda do Miss Piggy's voice just to make him laugh. <laughs> A That's weird trivia. Really funny. Yeah, that is uh, that is a very weird. But it, it, it kind of does sound like Miss Piggy. That's why I thought it sounded familiar. Yeah. So anyway, I actually really enjoyed. <laughs> No, 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 I, I'm, that's funny. Um, I actually really, but just back to your original point of you did, thought the Yoda plotline was a little slower. It was, but I honestly felt like it added a lot um, to this kind of saga that we're going through. And I guess you learn a little bit more about the Force. Yes, and yeah, you got to remember, this is your first real that's true, that's introduction true. to the Force if you were watching these movies as they came out. Well, they like, did not mention midichlorians, so, and he didn't take a blood test, so yeah. I don't know how much of the Force And Yoda came. also didn't do, like, triple axle backflips <laughs> just to move around He's all retired, the he's fine. Yeah, he's, uh, he hasn't done that in a while. <laughs> um, what I liked about this movie, actually, was the set pieces were really, really interesting mm-hmm. and, like, really pretty, like... You you have that kind of space battle in the first movie, but I think having it more grounded and having the um, battle on Hoth, I think that's really cool. It gives you limitations, you know, and um, 
I don't know. It just looked really cool. And it's a very iconic scene. I, I could tell, I could see why like a lot of these scenes are pretty iconic and like not, you know, I don't know what I'm saying. No, I, I thought, I also thought that there were a lot of really interesting shots within those pieces. And it wasn't like the last movie, if you watched it, I felt like the special effects were a little more jarring. This one, and not that they were bad, like they were obviously really good for the time and they still mostly hold up. But this one, I honestly felt like I barely, there were barely parts where I was like, Oh, that really, yeah, that's, that's, you know, 1970s, 1980s level yeah. graphics. Like, for the most part, it really holds up. Obviously, you can tell that there are parts where it's stop motion, but it's done so well and crafted, like, so lovingly that it, it's, you know, it, it's kind of, it doesn't take you out of it. It yeah. actually really draws you into the universe. There's also, like, a lot of, you mentioned the iconic shots. Like, I think that there's really interesting use of lighting in this movie. Especially uh, like, the, the, um the fight between Luke and yes, Darth Vader. Yes, that's exactly what I was going to talk about. Okay. Yeah, because it, 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 when uh, Luke meets up with Darth Vader, they're fighting, but it's really cool because it's like, you basically only see their shadows mm -hmm. and their lightsabers are lit up and it's really cool because there's like steam everywhere and they're kind of like moving around everywhere. It's dark, like, yeah. but there's like, there's like red and weird neon hues and stuff. Yeah. And, like it, it, it's, it's interesting because during the fight, they didn't have, I don't think they had any music playing on the background. I'd have to look that up. I think there is a little bit of music. Yeah, but there's not a lot. Yeah. Which, I don't know, is that like an artistic thing? or? I guess. I, I also felt like this movie musically did do a good job. Like, this is the first use of the Imperial March, as yes. you reminded me, mm -hmm. um, which is now an iconic theme. I think that this movie also does a really good job of establishing Darth Vader as like, this guy is really threatening. Like, I know that Han Solo just kind of basically used another TIE fighter to knock him out in the last movie, but <laughs> now he is pissed. This is the Emperor's watchdog, and he is coming for these guys. And yeah. it is like this single-minded determination. He literally goes around, like, killing every single officer that lets him down, even if they apologize, establishing this yeah, guy as like, that's such this a is dick not move. Someone you want to cross, uh -huh. and you know, honestly, I feel like I, I, this is why I think the Imperial Empire should have unionized. Like, you know, <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> you just you can't let your your you know your, your superiors you. go around choking people. Like, I feel like you know, it, it just goes to show this really was a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away because that would not be allowed now. <laughs> oh my god. I want I want an amusing side short on Disney Plus about like the first Imperial officer to file a workplace complaint violation against Darth Vader. So another little tidbit I found is that um, this is the one Star Wars movie that George Lucas had the least input in. And so when it came out, he said, oh, this is the worst Star Wars movie. And he apologized to everyone for its existence. And then he found out that everyone liked it, and he was like, never mind, I changed my mind. It's actually pretty good. We did it, fam. Yeah. All of us, together. So, George Lucas is so out of touch on his own franchise, it's not even funny. And you could tell, like, this is a better movie than, I mean, I want to say A New Hope. I mean, it's a good movie, but, like, you can tell that he didn't have his, like, hand in it at it, all. It's always interesting, because I think that a lot of artists especially ones that have something become successful and as wildly successful as this. Like, I think sometimes there's a tendency because, like, our, uh, you know, our brains are flawed and, like, we, you know, we think that w there's this, like, tendency to judge 
the world that we view it. And so for him, Star Wars was successful because it was a story about family and it was a story about, you know, whatever he felt like it was about. But the thing that people latch, latched onto was really different. It's like you see that and uh, like it was the world that it was being that was created in this really interesting lore and like i think lucas just misrecognized what his strength and his strength was as a world builder and he felt like it was as a storyteller within that world and it's a, absolutely a, and not. a romance dialogue writer nope. um, <laughs> but you know it it wasn't and it, it's just funny to see him like not funny, but it, it's interesting to see how he struggled with the success of that a little bit. And, like, even when he watched The Force Awakens, he kind of, like, underhandedly praised it in that he was saying, like, I think it's a movie that Star Wars fans are really going to love. And, like, that, <laughs> that can almost be viewed... Because it's basically the same thing as A New Hope. That's well, but why. that can almost be viewed by him as a criticism of the movie because he has always had this, like, love-hate relationship with Star Wars fans. You know what I mean? Like, I think that he's always resented the fandom on some level for latching on to things that he didn't feel like were as important to him and for criticizing the movies that he probably felt like were the best, which were one through three, which, you know, he directed and wrote and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I just think, yeah, it's just, that's actually really interesting and kind of fitting that this was the movie, you know, the one that everyone loves almost universally the most uh, was the one where he was like i'm not so sure about that i'm so sorry guys i'm sorry if this yeah. existed my bad oh you, oh, like, you it? like it i'm just kidding ah uh, gotcha yeah um were there anything you didn't like about this movie? i was actually gonna ask you the same thing since you're so overly critical of the series <laughs> there's honestly i can genuinely say there are little things that i want to point out as kind of like I, I think that they're kind of funny and amusing but like i i i honestly there was nothing without really kind of being a jerk about it there's nothing really that uh i don't like about this movie um i think this movie really shows how useless c3po is <laughs> Um, he didn't do a damn thing. All he did was complain and yell, and then he got kidnapped, basically. But that's kind of why he's beloved, right? Like, like, I don't like him. I mean, really? at least R2-D2 is helpful and, like, you know, helps everyone out and does all everything. And I, he, it's He's not, annoying! He's, he's, he's kind of, he's a funny side relief character just in the fact of like how annoyed everyone is with him i don't know why he always goes with people and they're like oh yeah we have to get we have to get 3po with us you well know? they need him to translate languages he played a key role in their in their getaway he had to communicate with the hyperdrive which i did think that it was funny after watching solo uh he says the ship has a peculiar dialect which is like that you know this ship you know, within the universe was probably just screaming revolution, free yourself, don't serve the humans. Yeah. It's, it's kill 3PO. Lando. 3PO's like, what does that mean? I don't... Kill Lando, he let me die. <laughs> he put me in this goddamn ship. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've been trapped in here for decades! <laughs> Rebel! Yeah, they really messed that one up in Solo. But, um, yeah, I, I, honestly, this movie actually I had a really good time watching it. A better time than A New Hope. I think some parts in A New Hope kind of drag a little, but this kind of seems to be on pace pretty much the entire movie. Yeah, I, 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 I can I honestly... see why people like this one the most. Yeah, so can I. Um, I just I want there were a couple things I wanted to note that amused me as we went through the movie. Um, the uh, like Obi Wan showing up. How did Luke not know at the time that that was a hallucination? I mean, I guess he had been guided by the voices 
you know, to destroy the Death Star and stuff, so he had some level of experience of communicating with Obi-Wan in the Force, but you just see randomly this, like, figure silhouette of Obi-Wan go show up and tell him to go to Dagobah. Like, it is a little, like... Yeah, does he ever question, like, oh, there's a voice in my head? Does he no, ever he never, know? he just listens to it. Ooh, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, just like Vader. Yeah. Um, You know, there's... The, here's the thing we need to touch on, actually. The Luke Leia infamous kiss. Ugh, that was weird. Watching it now. I think she was doing it in, just to spite Han, but she, like, obviously she doesn't know that that's her brother. But I think she's just doing it just as a fuck It's you. just like, it's in weird, retro, knowing what we know now, it's watching Luke's reaction to it, putting his hands behind his head, and like, you know, tongue in the side of his cheek and just whistling and whatever. It's just like, ah! Even Han's just kind of like, Ugh. Yeah, like I think Han knew. Um, I thought that it was funny that Luke pet Chewbacca when he was saying goodbye. Just walks up to him. He's like, oh, who's a good boy? Like yeah. this is a sentient being that's been alive for hundreds of years. A Clone Wars your, veteran. He could rip your arms apart. The disrespect. I also thought like this movie really establishes Leia as a classist. Um, you know, she when she gets mad at Han, she calls him a scruffy-looking nerf herder, which is, you know, a nerf herder is an actual position in the Star Wars galaxy. They're herders of nerfs who are giant, bull-looking, furry cow things that are no, not known for their intelligence. And Leia just, you know, like, this this is why people were rebelling. I don't know why she was able to appropriate herself onto their side. She oh was the 1%. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. She's like, I want peace and justice for everyone, except for those gross pores. Those nerf herders. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, a little, right, pro- little problematic. Right, whatever. Leia's against the working class. Oh my god. Um, Vader, like, literally, we talked about him force choking people and stuff. He literally, one of the guys, he force chokes him, the first guy he force chokes in the movie, for leaving light speed too early. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that is not a lot of margin Definitely for error. Definitely sounds like a couple of bosses I've had. <laughs> I honestly, it feels like the, the reason the Imperials are so incompetent by the time that, like, you know, Return they of the Jedi They can't learn from the Rolls around. It's, yeah, because literally they, they conscript people into the military and then they just keep rising through the ranks because Vader keeps force choking their superiors. <laughs> These people are becoming, like, they join the military, they become admiral within a year just because yeah. Vader just can't stop. He's just addicted to force choking people. He's, Vader's this, looking around. He's, he's a like, team of people that follow him around with the helmets on, the giant helmets of the Star Wars universe that serve no practical purpose. <laughs> you know, they were just like, helmets on, boys, time to go move a, move a body for Vader. He force choked another one. Yeah, he's probably looking around. He's like, who could be the next admiral? John, what is, what's your position? Like, I'm a janitor. Great, you're hired. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> That's we, all we have left. <laughs> um, um, but before we get into other things, we have to talk about the last scene, the twist. Oh, yes. Also, we get, yeah, we got to talk about, about I Am Your Father. It's fun. Yes. Like, we can make it in, you know, in 2019, we can make it 26 minutes into a podcast about this movie without talking about that because we all have We known all it for know. So long. But, yeah. like, can you imagine being in a theater, seeing it for the first time, and having that twist just hit you and slap you in the face? Like, I want to know how people reacted to that. Yeah, know? I wish Twitter... That would have been a great day on Twitter. What? Ima- imagine the memes that would have come out of, like, Luke's face. Yeah. Like, screaming at that scene. People would have used it for, like... Yeah. But what do you think about having that as a cliffhanger for the next movie? Yeah, I honestly think... I mean, it's That's kind of... genius. In- it's incredible. And- I don't know if the- any other movies have done that before. Before it's time to have such a big twist at the end and just, like, leave it there, you know? Yeah. 
Because we're so used to having that happen to our movies now, but like this is in 1980, I think. Yeah, it's it's it, it definitely pioneered the use of it. I think a little bit in sci-fi. It's one of the most iconic twists to ever mm-hmm. end a movie or something like that and set up a sequel. But yeah, I mean, it's like I, I can't even imagine finding that out in real time. Yeah, like this hero of the movie is actually the son of this like robot guy that's just been walking around force choking anyone who displeases him. Yeah, and there's no explanation. He's like, I'm your father, and he's. Yeah, and they don't explain any of it. Nope. There's no time. Like, I I actually, I kind of appreciate the understatedness of the Lucas dialogue in that, you know, in that case. Just because, like, you know, in in the prequels, when he was the only one writing the movies, I believe somebody else wrote this movie or wrote the script, right? Yeah, Um, And so, in the prequels, he would have said, I am your father, and then he would have went through the family history and monologued for, like, ten minutes and also talked about midichlorians and how many Luke had. And there would be a flashback, and there would be a sit down in a fire. So, I just kind of appreciate that they just throw this at you. They're like, yeah, he's your father. Luke does not question it. Or he does, he says, no, that's impossible. And Darth Vader's just like, search your feelings, you know it to be true. Yeah. And doesn't, that's it. Doesn't ask for his mom. Doesn't. Yeah. Who cares? You know. Yeah. Padme. Who? No, Luke. I mean, in fairness, he had just had his hand chopped off. Uh, so I feel true. like not really. You're probably about it. first thing on your mind is probably like, not like, wait, who's my mom though? <laughs> it's probably like, ow, 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 ow. Wait, what? Ow, ow, ow. Okay, bye. He just let's go. So yeah. Falls. Yeah, and that's the other thing. He just kind of falls off, and like, I don't know. It kind of people got mad about Leia knowing how to force fly in episode eight but honestly luke kind of does that here unless there's something that i'm missing when that little tunnel opens up he seems to kind of force push himself into it so i don't think it's that wild that leia in zero gravity of space could force push herself back into a ship but she didn't have any training you don't know that oh that's she's gonna train ray in this upcoming movie i think they've talked about wow spoilers i'm pretty sure they've talked about that in like press interviews (laughs) um but yeah so i think that's a really she had like 30 years to train she probably trained Damn, yeah, I'm, I'm just sorry. saying she didn't need ex- original expanded universe RIP. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyways, let's wrap this up. Um anything else you want to add? Uh I just I did think that it was very Lucas that the name of that cave in canon is literally the Dark Side Cave or the Cave of Evil. <laughs> That's so lazy. That's like it's it's just like perfect Star Wars. Um, you know, I, I also think that uh like that scene where I thought that it was incredible. There's two scenes, two last scenes I want to hit on. One is when C- Chewie discovers C-3PO. I think that uh, it's sort of indirectly implied that he kills every single one of those Ugnaughts in that game of Keep Away. Oh that God. scene felt a little darker than I remembered. Like, you, the last thing that they cut away on is Chewie grabbing one of them as he's managed to secure one of the things. And then they just don't. You know, they just show Chewie away with all of C-3PO. Literally, I think you're the only person that thinks about that. I'm pr- I'm pretty sure he no killed else. every single one of those right. Ugnaughts. That's why they were so willing to turn on him and freeze Han. They're like, yeah, this dude thinks he can kill our friends? Watch this. We're going to put your friends in a, in a like, freaking cement popsicle. So speaking of that scene where um, Han gets, you know, put into the ice tray, um, there's another iconic line where Leia says, I love you. And Han says, I know. I know. We have matching shirts that say it. We do. And um, a lot of people think that is um, 
ad-libbed by Harrison Ford. It's not. So originally the um, line was Princess Leia says I love you and in the original script Han Solo was supposed to say just remember that Leia because I'll be back. But at the time of filming Harrison Ford didn't know if he actually wanted to come back for the third movie. God that's such a terrible line. (laughs) Can you imagine if it had been that line instead of this one? So um, it's a so there's a very totally different movie. (laughs) There's a reoccurring legend that the line is ad-libbed but um somewhere i think in a book or something it includes it includes a transcription of the discussion between the uh both people that worked on the movie in which uh harrison ford actually suggested the line so he actually it wasn't ad-libbed like they talked about it yeah but like to be like i don't even want to be in the next movie so we're not going to use that line it's just such a boss move it's also very harrison ford harrison ford hates star wars so much i honestly i'm not sure if there's anyone who hates what made them famous more than harrison ford other than george lucas uh well you know the guy that played edward cullen hated his franchise as well too so i think him and harrison ford should get together and talk about how oh and the girl in that weird folgers commercial um so yeah so overall thoughts this is a good solid movie do not go into more your details oh my god one last thing the scene where Darth Vader reveals himself in Cloud City to Han oh and my God. Leia and all of them. I am so fascinated by the behind the scenes of that. Not the writing of it, but like in universe, the conversation that was had. So Darth Vader probably is like, you know, oh, okay. Yo, uh, so Lando, you're going to go get them. And then you're going to bring them to me. And Lando's like, okay, am I going to tell them where they're going? Like, should we capture them? He's like, no, you're just going to bring them in here. I want you to get a dinner set up. And I'm going to be sitting at the edge of the table, and when they come in, Han's probably going to shoot at me. That's fine. I can block those lasers with my hands. Don't worry about it. Pretty cool, but don't worry about it. And then I'm going to I'm gonna suck his gun over to me with the force, and then I'm going to be like, have a seat. And then Boba, right as I say that, you're going to walk out with your gun kind of menacingly. And Boba's like, okay, so I walk out when they come in? No, 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 no. You wait until I make my joke. And then you come in. That's why I don't understand all the mad, all the people that were mad about his dad jokes in Rogue One. Like he, this is Darth Vader. This is what he does. So there's your Darth Vader dad joke of uh, of the movie because we promised a reoccurring segment of that. How is that a dad joke? I mean, it's just like it's very mustache twirling, like sarcastic, dry humor Vader of like he has these people captured their stormtroopers behind them and then he's like have a seat there's this great dinner that we're definitely going to all eat together before I torture you <laughs> I think you look way too into these movies babe I that's what I do <laughs> alright so our next movie is uh, Return of the Jedi yes which is episode 6 yes and the last of the Original it's episode trilogy. six, but the eighth Star Wars movie. Ugh, can't do the math anymore. <laughs> anyway, so you can follow us on Twitter and um, Instagram, but uh, you can listen to our podcast on Spotify or... This podcast is called Rewind and Reconsider, if you would like to search for it. Yeah. Also, I would like to issue an apology to our audience. Uh, we, we're going to try and get all of you... No, 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 no. You set that up I, yourself. Yes. So I'm okay. I'm going to take the heat for this. Then I'm going to man up, and since you're taking no responsibility for this, <laughs> I'm going to say I'm sorry. We were going to try and get through all of these before the new movie comes out. It's probably not going to work out that way, but we are still going to commit to getting through the entire saga, and we will 
have an episode on episode nine as well, just to complete. I just, I just want to circle. I just want to tell everyone that Harrison sets these unexpected, un- unrealistic deadlines, even though he does nothing during post. I edit. I put out everything, and he's just like, "Yeah, it should be out tomorrow." And it's like, "Wow, well, I have five things I have to do before this." Um, I was given no warning. Well, I just tell you how to be successful, and then it's up to you if you want to do it. Do or do not. There is no try. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>